Well, good morning, Community of Grace. You may have seen a little bit ago a bunch of papers try to flurry on down the, the driveway. That was my sermon notes. So if you want this to be short, pray for wind. That'll work out. Well, today we're continuing through our series according to uh, the gospel according to Matthew, which is really a lot less about Matthew, and it's a lot more about Jesus. It's Matthew, the disciple, telling his account of Jesus' life and ministry. And as we've been going through this summer, uh, I'm sure just because it's summer, you've probably missed several of the weeks. But what I've, I've found and been both surprised and delighted by is I think that the understanding that we're gaining of who Jesus is uh, is going to be actually foundational and instrumental as we move forward as a church. Uh, the types of gleanings that Pastor Darren and Pastor Angie are pulling out about the way of Jesus and how we are to live and be like Jesus, I think have been so insightful and so spirit-led that I believe that they're really going to help form us and shape us moving forward. All that to say, if you've missed some of those over the past seven weeks or so, uh, go back and catch up. We've got them on the website. We've got them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, on YouTube. You can go back and catch up because uh, we want to move together as a congregation, and that's one great way to do that. Uh, we want it to be also more than information. It's not just things to learn, but hopefully it's formation. It's the way that the Holy Spirit is speaking in and through us as a community and moving and changing us. And today we are hoping to be uh, moved and changed through the story of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 9. So if you're a Bible app person, go ahead, you can get that ready. While you do that, uh, one of the things that Jesus starts his ministry with is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or has come near. I think we've given and probably heard a lot about the repent part of that, uh, but maybe we don't spend as much time on the what's this kingdom of heaven thing. What is this kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about? Like, probably gathered, if you've been around a church any stretch of time, that Jesus is the king of kings, and uh, it's like, okay, and there's a kingdom of God, uh, but what does it look like? And he also preaches, as Jesus uh, ministers, he preaches the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, the, the good news of the kingdom of heaven. The gospel means good news, so the gospel of the kingdom. So what is, what's the gospel of the kingdom of heaven? Pretty foundational. So let's just start there today. Uh, we've, found, we've heard, probably, that the gospel is personal salvation. It's when somebody uh, gives their life to Jesus, when Jesus reaches out and offers forgiveness and someone accepts it. And that's definitely a part of the gospel. In fact, if we look at 1 Corinthians 15, we see Paul talking about, Now, brothers and sisters, I wanted to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand uh, this, what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So something that the Apostle Paul thinks is of first of importance about this gospel is that, yes, it is a gospel of salvation. But it's not just that, and it's not just that we're being saved uh, from hell for heaven someday, and so the rest of this life is really kind of a waiting room to get there. But instead, the gospel of the kingdom, uh, of the kingdom of heaven, the good news is that there is life here and today. And now that this life matters, that, that the matter we exist in matters, that God is 
not only redeeming it and buying it, but he's healing it. And he's healing us. And he is healing the world through us, through you, through what the Spirit is doing at work through you. And if you're like, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Then you're in a good place today. <laughs> this is a good place to be. So there's different ways that the gospel is healing not just our sin, but healing everything. Jesus is healing everything. We look in Matthew 9. We see four different people are cured physically of diseases. That's really good news. If you have a disease and you're cured from it, I know that there are those uh, who are sitting here who have experienced that. It's like, yes, this is excellent news. Uh, we see uh, in Matthew chapter 11, I like this because they're all wondering the same question that I think many people uh, well, all of us have to encounter someone. Who is this Jesus guy? Like, is he, is he the guy? Is he the one that we're waiting for? Does he really matter? And John the Baptist is kind of wondering the same thing. So he sends his disciples and he says, go and ask Jesus, like, are you the one we're waiting for? And this is the same John the Baptist who is like, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I can't untie his sandals. And one day he's like, dude, are you the guy? Because John's in prison. He's having a bad day. He wants to know. It's like, is all this worth it? So if you ever feel like you're in the trough spiritually, even the people who knew Jesus have been there. But he says, go ask him. So, so Jesus' response is to the disciples of John. He says, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. This is all part of that healing. He's healing sickness. He's healing death. In Matthew chapter 9, he raises a little girl to life. He's healing fear from people. Uh, it's cast out by love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. We see that in 1 John. Uh, he's healing us from shame. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. That's from Romans 10. So as we look through the story of Scripture, we see that God is healing all things. And, and if you're living a healed life, it's like way better. It just feels better. It's more fulfilling. It's the kind of life that God has for you. And that's the kind of life we want to step into with Jesus. And the cool thing I love about Jesus and, and what God is doing in the world is that God is in the business of healing everyone. It's not like... Uh, it's not like sometimes I do, and maybe you do, where you see somebody, you're having a conversation, or you've known somebody your whole life, and you just kind of think in the back of your head, you're just like, there's, this person's too far gone. There's just no way that this person would ever respond to Jesus. Um, and that's something, uh, if you hear a preacher preach on something, like, multiple times, you know it's something they have a problem with, and that's something that I feel like I say every time I'm up here, and it's just my own confession that it's like, yeah, sometimes I feel that way about people. I have friends who I'm like, there's just no way. And I just got to bring it back to God and say, God, heal that in me and continue doing the healing work in them uh, because you've got something for them. You're not a God who writes people off. God doesn't do that. He doesn't write people off. And we heard uh, last week, Pastor Angie preaching on uh, Matthew 8, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God. But it does take the, the willing person and the willing spirit to respond to Jesus but that's, that's out of our control. What we do is we bring people to Jesus as the community of faith. And that's exactly where we're going today with Matthew chapter 9. We've got a cool story that is Jesus doing what Jesus does. 
So I'm reading out of the ESV, if you got most probably reading out of the NIV, and that's cool. You'll see a couple different words, but same story. Jesus got into a boat, and he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, paralyzed person, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This guy is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil thoughts in your heart? Well, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he says to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and he went home. That's crazy. If that's not like really crazy blowing your mind right now, just let it sink in that this guy that had been paralyzed his whole life just got up and walked. And he rose and went home, and the crowd saw it. They were afraid and in awe, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. So we're just going to break the story, story down. There's so much packed into it. We'll start at the beginning. Uh, Jesus crossed over the sea, and he came to his own city, which at the time would have been Capernaum. He was basing his ministry out of there. We see that earlier in Matthew. And I'm just encouraged by that. Uh, and And challenged by it. Like, guess what? Your own city needs work. When you cross into your own city, whatever that might be, maybe that's White Bear, Forest Lake, Badness, Matamidi, the other ones. Or if you're not even from around here, if you're from Denver or Tegucigalpa, wherever you are from, uh, there is work to be done there, and your city needs you to do that work there. Well, in Jesus' city, he was teaching uh, and there's a really good reason to believe that this is the same story from, that parallels Mark, where Jesus was teaching in a house, and people were like trying to get somebody to Jesus, but they couldn't get to him, so they just went on the roof and dug a hole and destroyed private property to get their friend down in this hole in the ceiling so that Jesus could heal him. Same story. Uh, they lower him down, and Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. I think it's cool that he sees their faith and heals him. Like, I've been taught, and I'm being challenged by this, that it's like, well, somebody has to go through the process. They have to believe the right thing first, and they have to say a sinner's prayer to be healed by Jesus first in this certain order. And this is kind of unsettling that a little for me. What I can say authoritatively here is that Jesus is the one who does the healing. So this isn't just some mysticism. We're not just proclaiming this general thing. Like, healing still happens through Jesus. Um, but he seems to have his way of doing things, and part of that is the community of faith. And that's who we are, and that's what we get to do. But he sees uh, the faith of his friends, and he looks at the guy, and he says, take heart. Just like, hey, be encouraged. Cheer up. Let's go, guy. Like, you ready for this? Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. It's kind of a crazy thing to say, like, to start out with, like, dude, I'm strapped to a mat here. I don't know if that's why you're, why you're leading with that. Uh, let's look at this culturally at the time. In the culture at the time, it would have been normal to believe that sin caused sickness. Like, if you sinned, then you have this sickness. And that's not abnormal even now. Something bad happens 
And one of our first thoughts sometimes is, what did I do wrong to deserve this? Or someone died in our lives, and we're like, if I had lived differently, would I still have them? These are the kind of questions that happen in grief. This is totally normal. So very normal question, very normal pattern of thought. Um, I find comfort in John chapter 9 that there was a question. There was a blind man, a man who was born blind, and the people were asking Jesus. They say, Jesus, who sinned? This guy or his parents? Because somebody here sinned, so we just got to figure out who it is. And Jesus says, neither this guy or his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God can be glorified. Like, oh, well, that just turned the whole thing on its head. So sometimes uh, God is just going to use a situation to do a healing regardless. Um, so, but in theory, you know, if we're looking at this in the context of what people are expecting, if this guy's sin is forgiven, then he can walk away healed, right? Right? That's kind of like the here and there with that. Well, this is part of this gospel that we're talking about, of the kingdom of heaven, that, that God is, in fact, healing everything. The guy, the need that he comes with and is presented with is a healing for his body, but what he really needs is healing for his spirit as well. So Jesus goes there. And what I'm really encouraged with by this is, like, the friends, I don't, I don't know if they knew that or if they could have known that, but what they knew as his friends were, we got to get this guy to Jesus. We just got to get him there. Have you ever felt like you need to be able to, like, not only bring people to Jesus, but you have to be able to answer every question and explain every mystery and say the right thing and make sure that if I invite him to church that Dan isn't preaching because Lord knows what he's going to say, and you're just trying to figure this out, like, how do I do it? And I want to challenge each of us, myself included, that really— we're, we're inviting an encounter with God. We can invite people into the stories of the gospel to read, to encounter Jesus for themselves without having to have every answer. You don't need every answer because Jesus, in this story, you just see he takes it from there. And he does what he does, and he brings the healing. And You don't have to defend God. Can I just lift that burden off of you? You don't have to defend God. I don't know of one scripture story where we're asked to defend God, um, but we're compelled to describe him and to describe his love and his beauty and his kindness and his healing mercy. And that, that goes a lot further than trying to defend God. So, as tends to happen uh, in any good story, there's conflict. Uh-oh, it's the Pharisees again. What are these guys up to? Always got something to say, right? So, I, I like to give the Pharisees credit because I think they're really trying to do the good thing. They're like trying to follow God and follow the laws and be righteous. Um, they just don't always get it right. And Jesus discerns this and perceives this in their heart, and he calls out the evil. And he's like, why are you guys doing that? Um, and it just seems like there's always tr people trying to get in the way of God's good work. And I guess my advice, my encouragement is like, don't do that. <laughs> you know, if at all possible, if God's doing something, uh, sometimes our gut reaction is to, to if it's not happening, if, if Jesus isn't working the way that we think he should, we think we need to step in and, and change the situation. But sometimes it might take a step back um, to, to ask God, like, God, what are you doing here? And maybe, maybe he will give you something to interject or to say or a, or a directive or a word to give to someone. 
Um, but maybe he's going to correct your heart or my heart and say, like, hey, slow your roll a little bit, back up, um, because I'm, I'm doing a thing here, and I'm doing it on my terms, not yours. So that's essentially what Jesus is telling the Pharisees here. And uh, he responds to them, and he says, which, which is easier, to forgive sins or say get up and walk? What's well, harder? Well, it's like on one hand, to say forgive sins is like kind of hard because can you even do that? Ah. In this culture, no. Like that would not have been something they would have just proclaimed like that. So that's pretty tough because it's pretty much blasphemy. It's, it's not, uh, you're not supposed to speak on behalf of God like that. But on the other hand, I think we can all agree, get up and walk is a little harder to say because either he does or he doesn't. He's either going to do it or he's not. So Jesus continues and he says, but to, let me read his words and not mine, so I say it better. It says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So the Son of Man, all of a sudden Jesus is picking up a messianic title here. Sort of that like that same idea of like, are you the one we're waiting for? He's like, hint, hint, maybe. It says, uh, so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he turns to the paralytic and he says, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And this goes back to the idea of like, if there's sin, there's sickness. So if this guy walks, then that means his sin is forgiven. So to prove the first healing, the forgiveness of sins, he performs the second healing, which is the healing of the man's body. And he does it right there. So it shows the people there in that culture, in that context, he's proving to them, this guy is actually forgiven. What I said, what I proclaimed to be true happened. And this is part of the kingdom of heaven being at hand, what God is doing of his inbreaking into this situation right now. This is what God's doing. So get up, take your mat, and go home. And the guy does. I know some of you are like, I wish you would tell me that now. Pick up your chair and go home. Getting warm. Hang out. This is good stuff. So Jesus is, in this instance, he's healing everything. He's healing the guy's spirit, right? He, he forgives his sins. Uh, he's healing his body physically so he can get up and go home. He's, I'm sure he's healing his emotions. Like this guy, having been laying in a bed all his life, he's going to go through some shock and through all sorts of processes. But I have, a, I have a good feeling he's probably feeling a little bit better about life. Uh, being able to participate because he's also, uh, Jesus is also healing his status, being able to go back and be a contributing member of society, and, and he's healing his purpose of being able to be a person who is, who is doing things that he is, is called to do there. And that's part of God's healing everything. And in that moment, there's a whole bunch of people watching, right? And they're all part of this, and they're afraid and in awe. And, and in that moment, they're kind of uh, forced to either accept or reject something that Jesus has been proclaiming the whole time, which is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That, that God is doing this and that he's healing everything. Asking and answering that same question too, like, is this Jesus the guy? Is he the Messiah? Uh, to which we would say, as believers, we say, yes. And, and believe it or not, it's like still the biggest question of all history. There's a reason that there's like 100 people here and not 10,000, uh, because... Most people would say, no, he's not the guy. He was just some guy. He said some cool things. That's about it. Um, and just miss the historical account and the spiritual reality of what Jesus has done. But hey, that's what we're here to testify to and to describe uh, to a world who doesn't yet believe. But God has not written them off. Well, as we move forward 
we see that the people who were there were like, whoa, this is crazy. And also they had glorified God who had given such authority to men. I love that word authority, and it's something that Matthew comes back to a couple times. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the people who heard Jesus uh, preaching says, uh, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Ouch, dig. So, like, not just like the people who, who said they believed, but it's like, whoa, this guy believes, this guy believes it. This guy's doing it. Like, this guy's the real deal. So there, he was teaching it as one who has authority. And then we move forward and we see that now he is acting with and in that authority. He's putting it out into the world. So a question I ask, you know, which, what, whose authority is this? What authority? And, and who, who gets it? Uh, he'd given this authority to men. So who are these people? Who is that? Uh, once you say yes to Jesus, maybe you've never considered this. Once you say yes to Jesus, the question about the authority uh, that you have and that Jesus had becomes massively important. Because if Jesus had that authority and you've got the Holy Spirit in you, then you get the authority. Whoa. Let's catch up with a second there. Yeah, this spiritual authority that God has is for you. Once you've got Jesus, as, as my friend Grace Johnson says, once you've got Jesus, you've got the goods to do these works. So what authority is this? It's God's authority given to man. And this isn't just like something that happens right here, but it happens throughout Scripture. And it starts in Genesis. In Eden, uh, God gives man the authority to work and subdue and care for all of creation. In Matthew, he gives Peter the uh, authority to bind and loose sins. In James chapter 5, he gives the elders the authority to pray for and heal the sick and anoint them with oil. In uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we see that there are good works that have been prepared in advance for us to do, and God gives us the authority to do those works. And then as uh, Pastor Chris read, there's the gifts for the church out of 1 Corinthians 12, and we see other lists in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. There are gifts of wisdom, prophecy, discernment, leadership, administration, uh, teaching, shepherding, helping, healing, prayer. These are all gifts that the Spirit gives to us as believers so that we can exercise that spiritual authority for the purpose of the healing of everything, to join in God's gospel and in bringing the kingdom of heaven to where you are. That's in your home, in your family, in your school, in your job, uh, while you're live streaming on Twitch, while you're on Facebook, while you're doing whatever you're doing. These are the gifts that God is using in you and through you and giving that spiritual authority to make that happen. Because we can do uh, a lot of things and we can uh, try the best we can to pour out love and we can uh, Invite first the next steps with Jesus kind of as a, a like, yeah, I'm going to do this because I guess I should. Uh, but when we see what God is doing and are compelled by the love of Jesus and know that he has gifted us for this purpose, for this reason, to do work in our own city, I hope that it's, it's challenging and encouraging that like, yeah, stuff's going to happen because Jesus is there and Jesus is the one doing the work. And I hope that takes some of the burden off of like the pressure off of that and it's more of an invitation yeah god's calling you to use your gifts has anybody noticed around town there seems to be a labor shortage 
Has, does every store have a help wanted sign? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I was really concerned that Papa Murphy's would close before I got my pizza because they didn't have enough workers. But don't worry, I got it for breakfast. But Jesus knew something about labor shortages. At the beginning of, uh, excuse me, at the end of Matthew chapter 9, he makes a uh, similar observation. We see him just, he's been working through this whole chapter, getting stuff done, healing people, meeting people, just being Jesus. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. So he's been going, he's teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he, saw, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. I think that's the same call that he's asking us to pray into today. Uh, as Jesus is still at work in the world, his Holy Spirit's still at work in the world. He's called his church to work in the world, and he's still healing everything. I think he's still like, we need more laborers. Like, we need to be on mission. Uh, and I was really thankful for one of my friends because I'm trying to figure out, like, what does that mean for us? What does that mean? What does it look like? Okay, so us, community of grace, what does that look like for us to be laborers uh, in the field? And my extent of knowledge of harvesting is that there are fields and stuff grows in them, and then large machines go and do this like a big vacuum. That's all I know. I'm from Orlando. Ask me about fast passes, beaches, and how to run away from an alligator. I got you. When it comes to harvesting, I know nothing. But Hannah uh, Collins was very helpful. She's from Iowa. She knows things. Uh, that there's, there's several stages to harvesting, and I think this is very applicable to us as Community of Grace where we are right now. One of them is the first, well, there's the internal work and the external work. So the, the internal work is what you heard mentioned earlier, and this is something we've been doing for a few years now. This is our Say Yes campaign, and this is the opportunity for the members of Community of Grace Church to uh, step up and into opportunities to serve in different areas, ideally in accordance with your giftings. Uh, if you're a teacher, maybe uh, his kids help, or if you have gifts of leadership or administration, we've got places for that. You know, we've got uh, hospitality, which is both a gift and an area of ministry, but we've got uh, refuge. We have our worship and arts and helping with worship uh, ministries. We've got opportunities to be serving in, in facilities or in tech roles. If you're just like, I don't even want to see people, but I want to serve God. That's cool. You can do that too. You can love people and never have to look at them, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. But that's the internal work that God is calling us to, to say like, okay, because in heart, back to the harvesting, uh, if you just go out and get all the crops from the fields, she told me, then like, you got to bring them somewhere. So you got to have barns and silos and storehouses and grain elevators. And, like, you got you to gotta be able to do something with it. Because imagine, like, right now, if there were, like, 500 people who decided to join Community of Grace and bring their kids and just, like, wanted to join in discipleship. And we, were, we would probably be like, we're ill-equipped for this many people. But Say Yes is our opportunity to start in that work and to be prepared for a harvest. So that's the internal work of the harvest. 
The second side is the external work of the harvest. And this is really the call to every disciple, whether or not you're part of Community of Grace, uh, but it does apply to us as well, which is the call to every disciple to see what Jesus is doing and join him in it there. And again, that's at your job, in your home, at the grocery store, during the play date with the kids, uh, whatever that might be. That's, that's the place to uh, encounter people and to describe Jesus to them and invite them to follow Jesus. And one way that they might be able to do that is, hey, come and, come and learn about this Jesus guy in community with us uh, at CGLC. We do this every Sunday, it turns out, and this might be a good way to do it. But that's the external harvest is where you are to invite people in. That's, that's part of the work that we're all called into. People have asked me, like, well, we opened up the doors and we had a lot more seats. How many people are going to get in here? And I said, well, as many as you invite. Probably not a whole lot more because we're the church and we're the ones who do this, right? So as we uh, look at this, you know, just the question, we invite first and next steps with Jesus. That's, that's one of our values, inviting first and next steps. So um, I like to frame this in the idea of, like, who are you in this story? And that's the cool thing about stories is we can sort of imagine ourselves as different characters. Uh, and I always like to start with, you're not Jesus. Moving on. All right. You could be the paralyzed man. Maybe this is like new to you. Maybe faith is new to you or the idea of following Jesus. Or it just hasn't sunk in yet. And maybe today your next step is responding to Jesus and saying, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in for this. It took me until the summer between my 10th and 11th grade year to say yes to Jesus. And it was massively impactful and really changed my life. There's a point where it's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. So maybe that's you today, responding yes to Jesus. Maybe you're one of the friends. Maybe you're one of the people who's like, it's your next step is you've got somebody in mind, or you've got a family member, you've got a coworker, you've got somebody that you're just like, man, I just wish that this person. And maybe your next step is, you know, as best as you can, bring bring this person to Jesus, not convert them, but bring them to Jesus so that He can do His healing work in them. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it is, uh, maybe you're one of the Pharisees and there's something that God is doing that you are aware of in your life and it turns out you're accidentally getting in the way. I don't know what that would look like, but if you do, I bet you do. So just know uh, that could be any of us on any given day. Could be uh, that you in this story are the answer to the prayer. Jesus said, pray for laborers to the harvest. Maybe today you're the answer to that prayer. Maybe saying yes to hear ministries at CGLC, to use your gifts, your talents, and your spiritual authority to build his kingdom. Maybe this is the first year or the first time that you're like, you know what? I'm in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. Or maybe it's, I'm going to say yes to a different opportunity than I have in the past. Uh, I know the past year has been wild, and it's thrown a lot of people. Um, but what I also notice happening is people who prioritize faith first are filling in their faith calendar last. So just going to put that out there and just consider, you know, as we are filling up our calendars, is, is your mission part of your calendar making? And the last one, I think this is all of us, because uh, Jesus asks us to do it. And if we're disciples, he asks his disciples to do it. And we're all, if we're disciples of Jesus, then we do it. And that's just being the people who pray for labors of the harvest. He's pray for labors to the harvest. Uh, because God's going to give that return. He's the one who's going to move in each heart. He's the one who's going to make this thing happen. He's going to make this garden grow. Uh, so pray for laborers for the harvest. So you might be any one of those 
Uh, but just to close out here, that's, that's what we're going to do. So together, uh, we're going to do that. We're going to pray because it turns out the harvest is plenty. The laborers are few. There's work to be done in our city. So we're going to pray that God will send out workers to the harvest. All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the work that you're doing in us, the way that you challenge us and move us, the way that you inspire faith, the way that you build a church. God, I pray that the, the message here uh, is that you're healing everything, and we get to join you in that. And God, we pray for laborers for the harvest. You know each and every individual here. You know every situation. You know every gifting. You know which of us have availability in certain ways, which don't. You know our health situations. You know everything. So, Holy Spirit, I also pray against a spirit of uh, condemnation or a spirit of, like, guilt. No guilt here. No shame. Just the invitation, God, that you would make the laborers, uh, you would bring forth the laborers for the harvest. Pray that you would do that, God, that that would be your work on your terms, in your way, so that we can continue to partner with you in your ministry and your mission. That we as a church can continue to make disciples of Jesus as we continue to be disciples of Jesus. That we can continue to see grace in every corner of our community. Holy Spirit, do the work that you have for us, in us, do the work that you have in us so that you can do the work that you have for us. And I love uh, Pastor Mike Bradley's prayer. Do what you need to do in us so you can do what you want to do through us. Thank you that you make us family, that you bring us together. Open us to see you at work this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.